Great chunks of my past. Detaching themselves like melting icebergs. Ha! Ah! Do something. Help him. Oh, no. No, don't look so worried. I'll have it all worked out soon. Everything's all right. Everything's quite all right. We're back for a new year with a new episode. But we're marked up, taped up, and on the edge of destruction. No! That's right, we're talking about getting new stuff and bidding the old. All that and more in this exciting episode of... Doctor Who! The Complete Menagerie. Almost. Almost. Golly gosh, Greg, Charlie... Happy New Year. And to you, is it a bit late for that now? Is that, is that old hat? People oh. say it. People say it, don't they? They do. And they do. And it is for us because it's the first time we're, we're, to, we're together in, in 2024. In 20 mm. odd years. Which is... Yes. It seems like it. It's nice to be back in the cab. I think I was in stuck in the time-space visualiser the last time you recorded. Like Tom Baker in The Five Doctors. Or Adric and Castrovalva. Mm. Well, I don't know about that. Stuck in a thing with a hard on. <laughs> <laughs> Being taunted by uh, Anthony Ainley. Mm. Hey, I say, did, did you see those pictures that were, that were doing the doing the circuit of Anthony Ainley last week uh, um, on Ian Levine's very angry Facebook group? And it was uh, it was Anthony Ainley with a young lady. Really? Who knew? I know. Well, he kept that quiet, didn't he? <laughs> was, was it his nurse? <laughs> Fascinating, like a Doctor Who fan or fanette from the uh, from the nineteen eighties, and uh, she looked a little bit like Lala Ward. Yeah, ah, well, who didn't in those days, I suppose? I think he was a bit of an enigma, Anthony Andy. I think he quite liked to confuse people, didn't he, by uh, saying one thing, saying another, and uh, yeah, mm. we still not got to the bottom of Anthony Ainley. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> Enigmatic when he died, wasn't he? It was sort of announced that he was dead, but then Louis sort of might not be because his estate hadn't released an official statement. And then sort of about a week later, it was confirmed, yes, he is in fact dead. But uh, yes. A bit, a bit like Tony Roberts. Yes, yeah, exactly. A bit, a bit of shilly-shallying. Mm. Quite remarkable, really. But yeah, he's, uh, he's long gone now. He's, he's like, must be... 20 years this year. Goodness me. Time I remember is... Charlie texting me and breaking the news. I was at work in Borders Bookshop, if anyone remembers that, and I yeah. had a text message and I looked at my phone and uh, I think it said something like, hey, 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 Anthony Ainley's died. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, that's spoilt today. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> So what is actually on the agenda for this episode? Well, it's a new year, which means out with the old and in with the new. So really, what we should probably catch up on is this little thing known as the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Now, we've we've been whinging for a long time about wanting to go back to 1993. And actually, it's almost happened, hasn't it? Because we've had a, a damp squib of a big anniversary of our favourite television programme. The Tory party is in tatters after being in power for far too long with such weak opposition. And Gladiators is back on a Saturday night. It's, it's like we're almost there, isn't it? Apart from the fact my knees hurt much more now than they did in 1993. Uh, my back does. Have they brought the Scotchman back for Gladiators? The one who goes, contenders ready! John Anderson. Now, John Anderson, I did some research on this. John Anderson has not been brought back 
as the oh. as, as the uh, the referee. But he's still alive, and he is 92 years of age. Wow, that's a good innings. Not, it's not far off from uh, meeting his own eliminator, I'm sure. But <laughs> the, the travelator uh, into the incinerator. <laughs> I'm just enjoying all your Very ones. Good. I'm not even going to try. I'm just... Very good. <laughs> Bravo. But, you know, it's wonderful, actually. They should be bringing it back because he is a, an absolute institution and they do have a referee in the new show and he is not Scottish, which is such a disappointment because he does not have the edge. And it's hosted by um, Bradley Walsh and his Nepo baby son, which he does look like the student intern that's working at the television studio. It just doesn't seem to be really, doesn't have the oomph that uh, we had in the 90s with Eureka Johnson and John Fashionu. Uh, it's uh, it's not quite what it was back in the day. Don't you mean John Fashanu? John Fashanu. <laughs> Did you watch it in the 90s? Did you watch the Gladiators? Oh, I was, I was like getting pissed at the time, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. of course I did. I, I was absolutely all over it in 1992, 1993. I mean, it was the biggest television programme ever. And I have to say, the music still is superb. Vamp up all of the uh, the sporting action with it's like it's like Kef McCulloch meets Meatloaf uh, <laughs> with with Roger Taylor on drums. It's fam- <laughs> fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Something for everyone as well, isn't it? You got you got you got lots of hot people in in of both sexes in in tight lycra. Yeah, what's, you, what's not when, to enjoy? When you say hot, you mean sweaty or just you know. Attractive. Sometimes a bit of both, yeah, a bit of both. Sometimes, I mean, they're not always easy on the eye, but uh, you know, mm. some of the, some of the some of the actual gladiators are in very good condition. You can't help but notice. A very sexy show, but they've stripped a lot of that out of it, Greg. I've noticed oh, really? in the BBC version. Yeah, the reboot. Uh, they've, they've got rid of the um, cheerleaders, which is a shame. Right. Mm. Which is an That's integral probably. part of the show. Yeah. Are they all in like three-piece suits now or something? So. You... <laughs> They are still in Lycra, but they're not ah. as revealing. And there's ah. much less late 80s hair going on, which oh, I used oh, to... That's enjoy. a shame. No mullets. So these sort of no. Like that. no, there's no mullets and there's no kind of like uh, Bondi Beach kind of like crazy lady hair that used to be going on in the original. It's, it's, it's much more groomed. But fundamentally, it's the same, but because it's BBC, on a smaller scale, it's uh, mm. it's not quite as grand as what ITV were, were pumping out in the early 90s. But we did, um, Natalie and I, after watching the BBC reboot, watch uh, an episode from September 1993, which I remembered. It's funny how you you know you can actually remember stuff from that long ago after only seeing it once. And, and somebody it, who was 29 watching it then would be 60 now. Well, this is, isn't that bonkers? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, you were 11, Sam. Did, 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 did Jet pique your fancy at 11 years old? Did she pique my fancy? She piques my fancy now. She, she's... Jet. Oh, whoa, whoa. 
Okay, Maka, get back in your box. Uh, yeah, she was my favourite. There's a story about Jet now in that she uh, she is now a lesbian after meeting a, f- a fan in a supermarket car park and she married her and she says, I don't give a damn. I thought, well, good for you, love. She's finally happy after actually having quite a miserable career in television. Uh, she was treated oh, really? quite badly, I believe, yeah. Wow. Beautiful yeah. woman, very much like Kate Bush, so big fan. Yeah, funny how these things turn out. I haven't seen Kate Bush hanging tough recently, have you? <laughs> I haven't no. seen her in Little Car Park either. It's terrible, terrible going to Aldi. I just, they it's, throw it's, the food at you, that's what I don't like. And it, it's just absolutely manic. I mean, you've got a baby in a pram and it, and you're trying to get around students because it's just full of students, that's all that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people like me who are poor, try, trying to get, the, you know, your yams and all that kind of stuff and you're getting them tossed down the travelator, you know. Uh, it's an absolute yeah, get that in Waitrose. Yeah, oh, yams. <laughs> you can't get yams in the metro. <laughs> anyway, I feel like I've segued far too much onto, onto gladiators, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving on from that, guys. What did you get up to over Christmas? Did you get any Doctor Who stuff for Christmas? And did you tune into any of the new Doctor Who stuff? Well, I was talking about the 60th generally, or, or the specific episodes that were broadcast on on BBC One, because I. On for the 60th, you know, on the run-up, I was, I had fond, fond memories of, of 2013 and the, the 50th anniversary when we got Web of Fear and Enemy of the World back. And I was absolutely convinced that there was something else to come, that, that Mr. Morris uh, was going to be true to his word and produce something exciting. Um, smugglers or Celestial Toymaker or anything, quite frankly. Um, and I was absolutely convinced it was going to come and it didn't. So, yeah, for me, it was a disappointment for that reason, because 2013 was such a great time to be a fan, a real renaissance time. And this time around, it's just um, a bit of a damp squib to coin a well-worn phrase. You were let down by the lack of potential discovery. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I mean, that, that's that what we were all hoping for some for a return of something missing, but it, it didn't come. Um, but I did watch the episodes. I think you did too, didn't you, Sam? Or you dipped in? Yeah, I watched the Tenant ones. Yeah, um, yeah. on 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 iPlayer, I, I caught up with those um, somewhat in the background, somewhat begrudgingly. But I thought I have to. I have to. It's the 60th anniversary. It's the 30th anniversary. Of the 30th anniversary is this is probably as good as is it's ever going to get in terms of long-term celebrations. By the 70th, it'll, it will have definitely fizzled out. That that will be it. Interest will be over. You know, so it's as good as it gets. So I, I tuned in, and I was I was expecting it to be absolutely unwatchable woeful tosh and it was tosh but it was watchable I didn't leave the episode feeling too fed up on the first one because it was the Star Beast which is a story I quite like from from the mags from from Doctor Who Weekly Um, quite enjoyed it really on the whole and then it was slowly the skids after that, really, the, the following episode. Is it called Into the Blue Yonder? Is that what it was called? Mm. Um, yeah, I thought that one was just, which uh, didn't do much for me. And the third one, I, I was checking out. Lots of hype, lots of lots of uh, set pieces, lots of great music, lots of incredible special effects, lots of 4K photography. But the writing is just not there, you know? It's just... 
pathetic, really. And in the end, it's just like, it's almost like Russell T Davies thinks he can write anything and we will buy it because it's Doctor Who. Well, I'm afraid not. But, but better than Chibnall's stuff, you, you must agree. Didn't watch any of Chibnall's stuff, so can't compare. Oh. oh, true, fair enough. And nice to have Tennant back and Catherine Tate. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing with, for me, David Tennant's a robust actor. Catherine Tate actually is very good in the companion role, very funny, very effusive. Uh, and I do like that dynamic and it, it works quite well. And the dialogue that Russell T Davies writes, because he's a good dialogue writer, works between those two. He writes well for them. So mm -hmm. any scenes where it's just them talking is actually quite easy on the ear and the eye. But in terms of storytelling, it's not Doctor Who really. I don't know what I was clinging on for. So it's it's crumbs and if crumbs is all you're going to get then enjoy it i suppose but um in terms of new doctor who it was not anything to celebrate i wasn't particularly pleased with any of it i have to say the second one while blue yonder got a bit of stick for being not flashy enough not being anniversary enough if you like but just to have Tennant and, and catherine tate just as you said just just chatting and just taking a bit of time over it and not rushing around all the time in a, a very expensive looking set, or as you say, 4K um, environment paid for by Disney it was just great. You know, just that's, that to me was um, the right way to do it. You know, don't rush it. Just let's have a bit of time with these people. You, know, you brought them back as a, a special event. You know, just let's savor it a bit. And that gave us a chance to do that. So I really enjoyed the second one for that reason. And the third one, the Toymaker one was, was great because Doogie Howser was, was pretty good in the role and it was it looked good. Um, and it was just, you know, it ticked all the right boxes for me. So I, I did enjoy that. The um, Christmas special, the uh, Shooter Gat was de debut as a doctor, um, was not quite as impressive, but I think that you know, I'm prepared to give him a bit of time. Um, as you say, it's, it's, it is a shadow of what it used to be, but it's still worth watching, I think, and I shall, I shall stick with it. I mean, you, you guys are, are, are less keen on doing that, but I'll, I'll report back and let you know what, what you're missing <laughs> at intervals. Please do, yes, give me a praise. I'm guessing you didn't oh. dip your toe. Uh, well, no, I I, I, um, I watched Doctor Who and the Five Doctor Who's, the new Blu-ray, uh, the, uh, the the box set. Uh, I stuck that on with the, the new um, uh, <clears throat> all singing, all dancing, 1990 special effects that they've, they've done now, um, <laughs> uh, whilst doing my ironing. Uh, because, of course, um, I, I'm told, uh, bored, bored you both, certainly, and our, our, our dear listeners to death with this already, but my earliest ever memory of Doctor Who, of course. Mm. So it's, it was the 40th anniversary of me becoming a Doctor Who fan. Um, so I felt I had to mark it in some way by um, by watching something. Um, but uh, I don't watch anything that's being broadcast, uh, apart from dogs behaving very badly, because I do like the sartorial taste of presenter Graham Hall, who's a, a good, no-nonsense Yorkshire man. He's absolutely fantastic with dogs as well. It's a great show. I thoroughly recommend it. Channel 5, if you can uh, stream that. Um, but uh, didn't they also... Because you guys kept telling me about all these things that were going on. You're saying, oh, I'm watching the episodes and this, that and the other, and all these opinions were flying back and forth. And I thought, I'm probably not going to get around to watching it. And then you said that something that... They'd colorized uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks. Um, yeah. yeah, they have. What was all that about? Well, this is that was the one thing I was going to move on to because that's the only other thing I watched. I mean, they, <clears throat> there's this whole kind of collection, uh, which we'll come to probably later uh, in more detail on iPlayer of, of, of Doctor Who. It's been catalogued, digitized, and put 
on iPlayer for you to stream freely. And one of these items is uh, Doctor Who, the Daleks, second Doctor Who serial, cut cut down to I think about seventy odd minutes, and it's been painstakingly hand coloured and and restored, and it's got a new score from Mark Ayres. And I was very excited to tune in and watch that. Now. A lot of talent involved. Uh, Kieran Hyman, uh, uh, you may have heard of him. He's, he's a lovely, lovely chap. He's, he does um, all sorts of great photography of locations. He, he comes over from Australia and visits, visits Doctor Who locations, photographs them, and then embeds the stills from uh, Doctor Who episodes into those photos. Photos, and they're, they're absolutely incredible. But he's a really skilled colorist, and he was involved in doing it. Anyway, so I was keen to watch it, and I did. And I have opinions. Did you? <laughs> that's very um, that's very uh, diplomatic of you. Uh, yes, I, I did watch it, and yeah, it didn't bother me at all. I quite enjoyed it. I watched it, and I just I didn't think Peter Cushing was as good as William Hartnell. Oh no, no, you've watched you've watched the wrong one. <laughs> no, did you watch Doctor Who and the Daleks? Is that what you watched? Yes. With a bit of tap dancing, Roy Castle. What, what, what were you chaps watching then? No, we were watching then... Doctor Who: Colon the Daleks. Slightly... But that's black and white. No, that's no, what... no, no. That's see, that's, that's one of the old wrong. ones. No, no, that's where you're wrong. You see, <laughs> it's the old music. Is it, is it like the, the demons? Technology worthy of the Doctor himself. They have Chroma, Chroma Dot. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. They did William Hartnell in colour. It's um, it's you know, in a nutshell, it's it's a it's a way for um. Uh, the current New Dog 2 franchise to get a younger audience engaged with the classic material. And they're, they're cutting it down so the pace is, is much faster. Brisker. Mm. It chops along. And uh, the, the colour injects a little bit more vibrancy into those black and white prints, which a lot of people have difficulty with. It was very exciting to see Doctor Who, black and white Doctor Who, 405 line Doctor Who from 1963, brought into colour and high definition. Except it wasn't, was it? It wasn't high definition. It was still pretty much the same soft prints, uh, the suppressed field recordings that we, we're used to seeing. Maybe they've been slightly enhanced uh, with AI or something. And then hand-coloured, beautifully hand-coloured, I must say. I mean, meticulously done. But for me, the issue, and this will separate the new audience from the old, uh, was that the the colour palette that they chose was not accurate to actually what presented in Ray Cusick's design work. We know that actually most of the Dalek city was silver, but they injected elements of gold into it. They Liberace did up, if you like. Yeah. They, made, they, they made it much more much more vivid. Uh, costumes were not really those colours. I don't I don't think that Barbara's uh, blouse was. Uh, shocking pink. I think it was probably either light blue or white, grey. Um, but there's a. They tried to make it as colourful, if not the equal to the Technicolor Doctor Who movie of the time, which to me is not really accurate <laughs> to what they would have been trying to do on TV. Not 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 accurate, but at the same time, it, it was it worked in a different kind of way for me. It had a very sort of pulpy 50s sci-fi. Forbidden Planet kind of psychotronic kind of feel to it. So that palette, to me, worked really well. It kind of pushed it down that kind of avenue. Um, and that plus the, the new soundtrack from Mark Ayres, I think, also added to that. So to me, it just, it changed the feel of the whole thing. Um, and, you know, when you're watching it 
with with fresh eyes. That doesn't matter that much. You can always go back to the original version if you if you if you feel strongly about it. But to me, it was it was a, a fresh take on a on an old favourite, really. So it was fine. I, I did enjoy it. Well, I must give it a whirl. It, it does seem interesting to use a, a different uh, colour palette, knowing what a knowing what a stickler. Doctor Who fans are, but I've heard both sides of the argument there. It's doing something completely new with it, so I'll give it a go. Let you know next time what I think. I think it's a it's a positive thing if if it gets uh, a younger audience interested in in those classic stories. It's a good thing, and if it's bringing more attention to them and helping them to be restored, great. I know they're going to release it on Blu-ray. Um, Get them off TikTok. Get them watching Hartnell. That's what I say. That's it. I, th- I think Ian Levine was very unhappy with with how it had been. Uh, <laughs> you amaze me. <laughs> Ian Levine unhappy. What? <laughs> but uh, I have to I have to applaud the colorists on this. I think uh, Kieran and the rest of the team. I think they did a really good job of hand coloring. God knows how many frames um, and bringing it to life for a new audience. And there was, a, there was a lot to enjoy. Don't get me wrong, I did enjoy watching it. And it's the first time that Natalie's watched any era of that Doctor Who with me all the way through. So it's obviously struck a chord there and worked. So it'd be interesting to see if, if Pip will watch it with you, Greg, and all the way from beginning to end. Um, doubtful, but uh, we can watch some some things. We, I mean, we, we we both very much enjoy. We we watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas. That's a wonderful black and white film, um, and uh, we've been doing that for uh, uh, all twenty Christmases that we've been together. So um, yeah, it should be colourised. It has been. It, it has been. Oh, it has. It, it has. That is the version we watched at Christmas was the colourised version, Charlie. Yeah. Oh. Was it similar to the Daleks? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, Jimmy Stewart was wearing a, a, a luminous pink blouse. <laughs> Wasn't too sure when he says an angel gets its wings and then a Dalek moves into view. Um, <laughs> you know what it's people that. like you, Potter. <laughs> He's like movie. Davros, isn't he? He's like Davros. What, Lionel Barrymore? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Potter. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch the uh, the Mark Gatiss um, biopic again? Adventures in Space and Time, or Time and Space, whichever no. way it says. No, did you watch that? I'd, I'd seen it before, but I hear it's slightly different this time. Yeah, they've they've um, uh, superimposed Shooter Gatwa over what was Matt Smith at the end when um, David Bradley is the first Doctor is in the um, in the console room doing the final take for uh, Tenth Planet. Um, some people found that uh, quite intrusive, but I, I think it was it was fine. I didn't mind that at all. I know you guys, you know, when you heard about it, you weren't weren't too pleased, were you? I I prefer the uh, proper Doctor Who to be kept sacrosanct and not sullied by the uh, the remake. But um, there we go. I, I, I didn't I, I I didn't like you first time round when Matt Smith uh, kind of like nodded at to William Hartnell, and William Hartnell was kind of like given the papal nod by a 27-year-old from 50 years after he died. I thought it was a little bit insulting. Uh, And I liked it even less when the the new chap came along and gave him a little bit of a camp wink, which I don't think William Hartnell would have approved of in the slightest. So I I think it's all... It's all a load of tosh, if you ask me. <laughs> well, well, that aside, that aside, um, can I just say on the record that it's absolutely a wonderful piece of TV, an absolute magical, just a 
note pitch perfect on every count, apart from that bit at the end, which is a little bit controversial, but the rest of it, what a piece of work that is. Just beautiful, beautiful. I seem to recall enjoying it, <clears throat> excuse me, enjoying it right up until that ending. Mm. Yeah. It's great. Was there was any other changes made to it apart from that scene? Any other edits? I don't think there were. No. Um, was there something cut out? I can't remember now. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean, that was the 50th anniversary that premiered, wasn't it? Yes, that's um, right. Yeah. E excellent. Yeah. And that was a highlight for sure. And I did enjoy it, but I just didn't really see the point in tapping in. And I think it was probably a little Easter egg for people that did tap in, wasn't it? To see the, yeah. the latest Doctor Who there, uh, which is, uh, yeah. Well, I wish them all the best in their future endeavors. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll be tapping into the new season. I don't know if I can be bothered, quite frankly. I, I think I, I, I made no effort in the, the last three or four years uh, mm. with uh, Jodie Whittaker. I don't see why I'd start now. I just revisited uh, the show over Christmas because there was nothing on and uh, I had other jobs to do around the house and I popped it on in the background and uh, David Tennant, he doesn't really offend me. So I thought, yeah, go on, let's, let's watch David Tennant and see what he has to offer. And apart from looking a little bit more wrinkly, he, he played exactly the same role. Is it 15 years ago? Quite remarkably. My gosh. Yeah. Do you know he's uh, Peter Davidson's grandson in real life? We had heard that, yes. We had heard that, but never had it confirmed. But what's, what's the deal, though? Is, is, is Dr. Tennant now on the planet Earth? just eating breakfast with that family every day or yeah. how does it work until they, until they, they, they need him to step in to do a, a spin-off series uh, yeah. that's the idea yeah it's kind of on it's parked until they need him for some more um, but yeah that's that's the idea i think oh dear me because i remember didn't they do something like that before with uh Russell T. davis years ago when um billy piper left the show and she got her own tesco value doctor it yeah. was all human, basically, so she could shag it. Yeah. Oh, it's grim, isn't it? It's 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 bizarre. It's grim, yeah, in uh, South Wales. <laughs> not the series I remember. <laughs> We're different for an eye roll, lad. What do you think? Let us know on uh, on the on the Twitter sphere or X, as it's now known. Uh, oh, tell us. Changed that as well. Haven't we? Actually, yes, well, it's the next Twitter. It ceased to be. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Uh, what did you get up to on the 60th anniversary? And if you're old enough, what did you get up to on the 30th anniversary? And did you celebrate the 30th anniversary, the 30th anniversary? <laughs> Greg celebrated the 40th anniversary of his, his uh, embarkation on Doc 2. So what did you do? Anyway, we're going to go into the time match now as we talk about a rather sensitive topic, which is the old in-out of what we got for Christmas. <laughs> And what we threw out to make space for the new stuff. Sacrilege. I knew you'd be offended. Here we go into the time lash. Oh, but it's all arranged. Maynard and I have important things to discuss. Yes, Doctor. Prepare the time lash. Well, here we are. Well, I, I, I'll kick off. I got nothing Doctor Who related for Christmas. So, uh, over to you guys. Oh, good. Right. Greg, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for the second consecutive year, I, I didn't get anything Doctor Who related. I got something tangentially Doctor Who related, almost, sort of. Ooh, intriguing. Um, 
Does the does the actor Patrick Troughton mean anything to you? He uh, jog your memory. He he played uh, an andragum in the Colin Baker story, The Two Doctors. Uh, but um, wasn't, he was... wasn't in the Omen in 1976. Yes, that that's that's the same fella. Yes, ah, yes and yes, in yes, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger in 1977. And Knights of God in 87. Yes. Oh yes, he was in so, uh, the very first episode of Inspector Morse, January 1987. Yeah, great, I remember great him in, in, in the two of us as well. Yeah, and also in, in, yes. in, in Bodmas uh, in uh, 1980. Yeah. No, not Bodmas, Bogner. In Bogner, yes, yes. And Super Gran. <laughs> Classics yes. like that, yeah, wonderful mm. stuff, yeah. So, so what, what did you, what did you um, see him in, Greg, over Christmas? Well, um, I, my, uh, my in-laws very kindly gifted me a, a, a double LP recording of um, Roger Lim's soundtrack to uh, the 1984 serial The Box of Delights, uh, which I I watched that every Christmas. I watched it um, in 1984, and I thought it was the most wonderful thing I'd ever seen. Um, and that's a view that I'm very rapidly coming back to. I think it's something very, very special about that um, serial and about Patrick Troughton's performance in it. It's very magical. And I didn't watch it last year because I read John Macefield's book, um, uh, the, the novel that it was based on. Uh, and he was mostly a poet. So I've been getting very into um, John Macefield as well. I read uh, The uh, the Midnight Folk, which um, kids these days would probably call a, what, what they'd call a, uh, a prequel to uh, to The Box of Delights. It's got all the same characters in it. They're all in it. Uh, it's got Kay Harker is the hero. Uh, you've got uh, Abner Brown, who's in charge of a coven of witches. Uh, you've got... Uh, Sylvia Daisy Pouncer, which is just such a wonderful name, uh, who's of course played by uh, the wonderful Patricia Quinn from uh, Dragonfire in the Box of Delight series. Uh, so the, the, there's that. Um, and his poetry's really good as well. He, he's very sort of early 20th century kind of poet in the same stall as uh, Rudyard Kipling and Thomas Hardy and people who were considered very old hat even by the 1930s uh, when the likes of T.S. Eliot came along and uh, um, Dylan Thomas whom I actually quite like because you you, you you can only really sort of read his stuff with a, with a Welsh accent or think of Philip Maddock or someone like that reading it or Richard Burton um, so yeah a bit very tangential but um, I got that and, um, and Pip also uh, gave me the, the Omen sound Funny enough, as uh, Charlie just mentioned it, by uh, the late great Jerry Goldsmith, one of the best um, soundtracks of all time. Both Patrick Trout and related gifts. How about Amos, you, Isimus, Amos, That's the one. Isimus. Right. Well, yes, I got some stuff. I got, I got Kaklak. At last, the Chris Achilleos tome uh, was out in hardback a while ago and sold out immediately. Wow! Um, so uh, it was re-released re as a as a softback, which is what I've got here, and it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. All his wonderful plates are there to be seen. That's uh, Vicky and the Ice Warriors. Oh um, yes! Gosh, I'm, I'm waving at the camera right now yeah. uh, for those of you on the podcast. So it's it's just gorgeous. If you haven't got a copy, I would recommend grab one while you can before it goes out of print. The sort of book you want to just pluck from the shelf and just browse through at your leisure. A bit like the, um, what was the one, other one called? Um, time Frame, yeah, a bit like Time Frame. Just a great coffee table Who book. So that's marvellous, get that. I also got this hardback book by John Walsh, the official story of the Dalek films, the Cushing Dalek films, which Ooh. is, abs again, absolutely beautiful, you know, in terms of, of layout and the... the 
uh, the images inside and the text, it's absolutely just jaw-droppingly good. Um, he did a, a similar work on, um, which is John Walsh, on the Flash Gordon film, which is, again, one of my absolute favourites, top of my, my list, um, which was similarly just a visual treat. Um, and again, I would recommend uh, any fan of the, the Aru Amicus Dalek films, grab it while you can. Really, really nice. Um, cheap to, at the price, 35 quid, but it's hardback. Large format book, just beautiful. So I got those two wonderful to tomes. I also got the 20 season 20 Blu-ray box, which like my season two Blu-ray box is still in its shrink wrap. Yeah. But I'll get round to it. I'll get round to it. You did very well this year, Charlie. I have to say. Mm. I was let down massively. But the thing is that they've not re-released any of the um, Blu-ray sets in the cheapo plastic cases, which was I was bargaining on in time for Christmas, so none of them came my way. I, I got one version. last year. The cheaper versions, yeah. Now they have actually um, issued out uh, one recently. I think. I think it. Which one would it be? Is it, is it season twenty? That's now. Yes, that's the most recent. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's now available on in a cheapo set. I will be getting getting on order, but uh, it wasn't in time for Christmas. But they've recently announced. Uh, Another one, haven't they? Is that right? That's on the way? It's a Tom Baker one, isn't it? Is it Season 15. 15. Mm. Shaky season, but yeah. It'll look great. Lots to enjoy. Lots to enjoy. Can't wait to see uh, Underworld and the Invasion of Time again. Such <laughs> classics. <laughs> oh, I mean, such a negative. <laughs> Horror of Fan Rock and Image of the Fender. Come on. Lil! Lil! Exactly! In high death. Adun! Adun! <laughs> This is a true. Dead one. What other sword is there? <laughs> so you've got all this new stuff, and I'm sure you've got other things as well for Christmas, Greg. You know, but what have you done to make space for it? Well, um, I've currently got Vaseline on my nose um, because there's <laughs> dust in the house because uh, we're clearing clearing stuff out. Uh, so we're having a new bathroom fitted, and we're having a some talk of even moving house. Uh, so. It's just begun this whole process of um, decluttering. Uh, so for a while, I couldn't even get in the leisure room. There's so much accoutrements of um, uh, just general life uh, being sort of put up there. What should we do with it? Oh, I don't know. Let's ship it in the leisure room. Um, so I finally been able to get at stuff. And then I found like um, sort of old um, biller uh, uh, Book book uh, bookcases that uh, you might remember that um, uh, I IKEA the Swedish furniture outlet used to sell uh, and they used to sell like hotcakes. I think every every house in the country had a Billa bookcase uh, at one point. I think in two thousand and seven. Um, it's better. I long past its best. So that's got to go to the tip. So I I feel like I'm a, 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 in a phase of, a bit like Bob Peck. I imagine that he was at roughly my sort of age of forever going to the tip. I, I just feel it's sort of very middle-aged pursuit. I think it's what, uh, what, what quite serious men like uh, uh, Yorkshire's Bob Peck would have done um, forever going to the tip. So, yeah, there's an awful lot that's just been binned. It's terrible, really. Some stuff I've um, salvaged and I'll, I'll I'll give away. I know I, I put a couple of discs aside for you, old chap, and um, uh, and for uh, another, another chum of mine, um, I found some discs he would like. Uh, but a lot of it's going to the charity shop. A lot of it's going to landfill. 
Now, I remember, Greg, you did mention to us on the WhatsApp group that you were going through your collection that there would be some um, DVDs up for grabs. And I was obviously keen to, to, to investigate what you might have uh, in, in the offing, expecting some network releases or some artificial eye or some, some really sexy sort of European stuff and some you know, that kind of thing. But what you, the, 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 the tower of DVDs that you um, paraded for our, our delectation, which is, was just crap. It was just a, yeah. a cavalcade of rubbish, <laughs> which deserves to go to landfill. So yeah. good riddance, I'd say. Yes. It's amazing what you what, what one keeps hold of. And you think, oh, am I ever going to watch this again? You know, you kind of think. So we, uh, Pip and I have been doing sort of this test, really, is basically, have we watched this in the last decade? Have we watched it since we lived here in 2011? So many of them, it's just like, no. Why, why are we keeping hold of them? Yeah, I know what you mean. So, I have to say, my, my wife has a, a Jerry Halliwell yoga DVD downstairs that she's never watched. Mm. It's been with us around our necks for like 30 years. So <laughs> the time must be drawing close when that has to be ditched. Yeah. Uh, this is quite so difficult. I, I, my Doctor Who DVDs are, are going, for example. That's what I was going to ask you about, Greg. That's a big deal, you losing the Doctor Who DVDs. Because what, what made you come to that conclusion? Because a lot of people are still holding on to the full set. Yeah, it's, it's just to make it's the ones I've already got on Blu-ray. So I've, I'm only getting rid of about half of them, and half mm. of them I, I'm keeping because I don't have the the Blu-rays yet. And I, I couldn't be without a story if that you know. I'm sure you know that feeling. It would just I, I'd be far too tense if, for example, I, I didn't have a copy of Time Lash just in case I needed to watch it. Quite um, right. Or, or time time in the Rani or something like that. So, um, so I'm keeping every story for the time being. But it's just it's just to make space on the shelves and, and with the idea that you know moving into a new house, and we, we just we don't want to we don't want to be opening boxes and thinking, oh, why have we kept this? You know, I mean, it's every 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 room in the house is going through this process. Of, um, I'm sure Tom would be telling me to shut up by now. I'd be like my boring washing machine story. But you know the the. the we practically halved all the stuff in the kitchen. It's, it's great. It's quite therapeutic. I recommend it. Declutter. You can't take it with you, chaps. Now, our, our, our listener can't see uh, uh, across behind your left shoulder, but there's a, a bookshelf crammed with books and other stuff. Mm. So yeah, you've got a long way to go, old chap. Yeah, yeah there's two, two bookcases in this room, yes. <laughs> that one's Pip's, to be fair, and that one's uh, mine. Okay. So. You've kept your VHS tapes, haven't you? Um, I've kept some of the really early ones from the 80s that have sentimental value, like um, Seeds of Death, Talons of Wang Chiang, uh, Death to the Daleks. The ones I can remember getting for Christmas, you know, like Christmas 1988 or something. I said, how could I throw that out? Yeah. So I've got about uh, maybe a dozen of them, but no more than that. Oh, OK. I, I was under the impression that you kept every single VHS tape. Which oh, is... God, no, no, no. They, they went to landfill years and years ago. <laughs> Nobody wanted them, you know. I, you, you couldn't give them away. So charity oh, the boat. didn't want them. So. Yeah, I got rid of as many, as many as I could on eBay, but the rest went to Oxfam in in Otley, and they were very happy to, to receive them. You know, we've they? got some Doctor Who. Hey, we've got Doctor Who. And it was it was quite a, a big news day for the uh, Oxfam in Otley that we got some Doctor Who. But but yeah, I just kept the ones which meant something to me. But um, Snake Dance, I'm afraid, you know, went. Mm with everything else but um, yeah going through um but it is do you fit do you feel it is a, a cathartic cleansing experience to get rid of all this stuff a bit like a an irrigation at the at the back passage yes very much so it's just like a, <laughs> an enema of some description it's, it's mm. like um 
it's a liberating experience, isn't it? You know, you're almost saying to yourself, "I it it doesn't have this hold on me. I can cope with that." Is was that like the, that moment of realization of uh, when I I allowed myself to walk through um, Asda uh, without having to buy three copies of the Radio Times because it had a Dalek on the cover, you know. Mm. And that moment of sort of thinking, will the world stop turning if I don't buy three copies? <laughs> and then going to find the silly bang. Rock and roll. I'm just getting, I'm, I'm a boring middle-aged fart. I know I'm <laughs> with a tedious life. I'm entertaining listeners with just, just stories of going to the tip now. I mean, it's really a scraping the barrel, isn't it? My life, I mean, you know, this, well, ah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Exciting times. Tune in. Tune in next time and find out about, you know, how I've got on with uh, getting rid of the old sofa bed. I'm sure that'll be a lock. Deworbing the dark. Yeah, it's absolutely true, though. I mean, where do you draw the line? I mean, I've I've been struggling. Uh, I've binned a lot of stuff off following your your inspiration, really. Um, and I was looking at a big stack of Doctor Who magazines, which I've been moving around from house to house since 1993 you know these these bloody things mm. and i'm i'm thinking i can't bear to part with them but i've not read some of these now in, in 25 years plus why the hell am i mm. carrying them around so i've decided to bid everything that's after 1994 because that's when i decided that i was an adult when i was 13. so i've <laughs> decided to to bid off everything from from then and i'm just keeping the kind of handful of magazines which i managed to you know not allow to disintegrate or go into the bin at the time just for a little bit of nostalgia i don't need four kind of massive archiver boxes of magazines in the attic you know who are they for it's just mm. it's going to be a, my partner's burden someday to take down to the skip anyway isn't it so i might as well mm. do it now don't you think that it's it's her problem not yours <laughs> it's a point of view it, 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 true true but you know i'd be turning in my grave if i thought that she was bidding them if anybody's going to incinerate them it's going to be me fair enough just don't I, tape them up and put them in sight of ian levine as the being <laughs> binned i mean i would hate to think of his reaction oh dear it is a funny thing though isn't it i mean i was thinking about like these dvds and blu-rays everyone thinks that's going to be the final word so they're going to be bidding off their dvds now to replace them with the blu-rays because they take up less space on the shelf which is a really good argument but also are they going to be playable in 10 years time these things mm. you know 20 years time because they're vhs tapes by some miracle mm. you know they're still playing, but I don't think their life was ever expected to go on that long, but they have somehow managed to survive. But optical discs, CDs, yeah, mine are still playing after 30 years, but some of my Blu-rays are already skipping. Are these, uh, sorry, DVDs, are the Blu-rays going to be as salvageable in 30 years? And more importantly, now we're in our 40s, does it matter anyway? Well, we just we discussed this with the VHS stash that I uncovered in, in my attic recently was sound that we were told that the, the VHS very high standard video home system that they were limited in their lifestyle that the life longevity that they would crumble and they would go moldy within you know a few years and or they would lose their the signal but the ones that I pulled out of my box who were um, worked fine you know they, they were okay fair enough they were scotch tapes they were you know pretty decent um, 
stock, but they, they work quite well. So they're still watchable now, some almost 40 years later. All of the McCoy era and the Trial of a Time Lord that you recorded off air, wasn't it, onto a VHS cassette? And yeah. It is. That it's, it's, it's proven to be incredibly hardy in the test of time, but I am not sure about Blu-ray. Not because the discs and, and everything will be uh, necessarily delaminating and unplayable. Uh, I think more that the players themselves will be burning out because they have moving parts and such and they're not going to be making them because, let's face it, the future is not in players which have moving parts. The future is in streaming. And now with Doctor Who moving over to iPlayer, which is incredible, really, isn't it, to think that in 2024 you can now go onto iPlayer and watch every single episode of Doctor Who from beginning to end that exists, including some of the reconstructions if that's your cup of tea. Isn't that incredible? We'd have given our IT for that as kids when we had to yeah, wait yeah. for the videos to come out. But you know, I, I wouldn't change it. I, that anticipation, thinking, oh, in six months' time, I'll finally be able to get to see Mask of Mandragora or whatever. Um, I, w I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go back. I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't change when I was born. I was glad I was born when I when I was before the before the digital era. And you're right what you say, Sam. Dixons have stopped selling Blu-ray players. You know that. Uh, you, can, you can buy a 4K player, which will play the DVD. So you can still buy the player that will play the disc. Ah, uh, that's good to know. <laughs> for how, how long? long? Yes, but, but equally, for how long will, will iPlayer have Doctor Who on it for free? Mm. That won't be there for very, for indefinitely. So at some point, you're going to need those Blu-ray discs, I think. Oh, do you think that the Hooniverse is going to be deaccessioned? I think it's an adjunct, yeah. I think it's it's a limited life. It's, it's there for a limited time, just for the, the 60th, as my understanding. So I don't think it'll be there mm. forever. Right, that's very interesting. Because I, I did actually flick through some of the episodes, and one of the things that uh, vindicated me for keeping all of the DVDs uh, was some of the episodes are in appalling quality. Yeah, the invasion is particularly yeah. bad. It looks like... Uh, the 1993 VHS release. It's it's mm. so soft. The sound is terrible. It's not the restored version. So they've clearly had a piebald approach to grabbing the archive materials and throwing them onto iPlayer. So it's not it's not the uh, the solution for your Doctor Who collection. That is for sure. Well, but, uh, equally that it's that they've used a substandard uh, version. So you go out and buy the discs as well. That's clever. That's my understanding. Keep all of your physical copies for now. Yeah, folks. Do, indeed. Take it from us. I'm speaking of restoration and um, um, presenting things in their best light. We went to see um, a little little film, didn't we, last week? Um, Queen um, Rock, uh, Montreal, 1981. IMAX. Wowzers. That was pretty damn good. Yeah, They'd filmed it on good. film then, presumably. They did. They filmed it on 60 millimeter, Greg. Wowzers. Right. Yeah, back in the day, yeah. 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 It was a very, very complex thing to do. I don't think there'd been any concerts, I'd be happy to be corrected, that were filmed at IMAX before that point. It was the first one. Uh, so, technical achievement. Um, I'd only ever seen that as a kid 
uh, on a VHS tape known as I think we will rock you. I'll stand that's, corrected on that one. Is that that's correct? That's correct. That's correct. Um, but it's a 16 millimeter uh, print from a 60 millimeter <laughs> negative. So obviously it's not a reflection of what that actual concert looks like. And then when it came out on Blu-ray about five or six years ago, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just incredible. And uh, then in IMAX to see it in an even more restored quality was was quite something, wasn't it, Charlie? It was. Breathtaking. Sound was good too. Amazing. Amazing. 7.1? Yeah. yeah. The drums really come alive in that. That was what was stand out for me. That that, uh, that ten minute timpani solo yeah, really came alive. <laughs> it's incredible. We we had a friend with us, Matthew, uh, who uh, had high expectations, and he said some of the shots look soft to you. And I was like, yeah, they they, they did, and and that was because it was shot run and gun with guys with massive cameras on their shoulders trying to get stuff in focus around a leading man that would not stand still. You know, so they, it was remarkable how good the quality was. It wasn't the technology that was the problem. It was just the physical way they had to capture super high definition film in those days. And it was really difficult to do. Like if you were shooting Lawrence of Arabia on the same stock, 60, 70 mil, they'd have lined that shot up and rehearsed it and focus pulled it to death until it was absolutely right. And then they'd have taken the take and then it had gone into the film. If you're shooting on the same stock, Freddie Mercury running around in hot pants and a, and a trucking baseball cap, you know, shaking his ass. You know, it's like it's quite difficult to get him in absolute focus, isn't it? All the time. Did a very good job, though. Did a they very did good a job. really good job. And in the scenes where it's absolutely bang on focus, it just takes your breath away. It's so sharp. It's just the closest thing to having a live gig. The Queen, really, I'd say. Yeah. Mm, Rose seats. Check it out. I think, I think you've missed the boat, actually. It was only on for a weekend, wasn't it? I think it's gone, actually, yeah. I think yeah. Sunday was the last showing, so, Greg, you'll have to watch the Blu-ray, mate. Oh, that'll do. That'll do. I don't have to leave my house then. That's even better. On that note, before we move on into our final segment for the episode, uh, I hear that the Blu-rays for Doctor Who, um, there's a little bit of hoo-ha online that the latest Doctor Who trailers featuring Louise Jameson and uh, a few others, uh, that some of the footage, the archive footage of the episode has been AI upscaled, artificial intelligence upscaled, which is something I've mentioned in previous episodes that they, I think they maybe should have been doing to enhance the picture quality for, for 1080p. But this has actually really upset a lot of people apparently in that it's not close to being like the original videotape and now looks slightly plasticky. What's your view on that, guys? Have you seen the seen the pictures? I saw the trailer, but I didn't realise it, it had been tinkered with. Is it obvious? It wasn't obvious to me. I knew something wasn't quite right. When you look at the titles, the Doctor Who titles that they use in the trailer are really quite sharp and rubbery. Uh, and I thought they've obviously done something there. But my my view is they've only done that work for the trailer not for the actual episodes. Well, that's okay, isn't it? I think so. We can live with that. They press a button and they make it wide. And on that, on, <laughs> on that bombshell, we're going to do a quick rundown of uh, people we lost in 2023 and actually early 2024. So here we go.
gosh, what a year. We really have lost a few people. I'm thinking outside of Doctor Who, you've got Bert Baccarat, uh, Barry Humphreys, Tina Turner, Parky, William Freaky, Gambon. He's Gambon. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. The detective. Yeah, so David McCallum. Oh, that hurt. Yeah. Mike Yarwood, who did an absolute killer impression of Larry Grayson. Uh, worth checking out on YouTube. Bill Kenride, of course, Greg. Mm, indeed, met him once. Lovely chap. Lovely. Roger Castell, who painted the artwork for Jaws, the poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Halliwell from uh, Emmerdale Farm, but also from Threads as well. He was in Threads and uh, was a local Leeds guy, lived around the corner from me. Well, I served him once in Borders. We also lost uh, a good number of people from the Doctor Who world, didn't we? Did. But Tom Baker turned 90, so that was good. <laughs> against, against all the odds. Yeah. I know, it's an absolute miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Charlie. Re- really? No one told me. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We're all Rumours shocked. of death, aren't you? <laughs> uh, yes, we, we heard in the past couple of days that uh, the great Laurie Johnson uh, passed on the 16th of January. Now, Laurie Johnson isn't a Doctor Who name, but he is, um, to, to cult fans of t- film and TV, he is a, a colossus, you know, one of those names that, um, that are whispered in the same breath as, as people like Ron Grainer um, and even John Williams, you know, sort of big, big, a big name um, composer from, from yesteryear uh, who's, who came up with uh, those themes that you, you wouldn't know necessarily came from, from, his, from his pen. Um, but you just the number that he did over the years was was was, was staggering 400 plus uh, film and tv scores um over a sort of a 50 60 year career um those that that we would know for, from from our uh, from our collection uh would be stuff like like this and perhaps even this. I think that the, the the theme that he is most famous for is undoubtedly this. Ripe ninety six, you know. That's uh, again. It just seems that uh, a lot of our <coughs> our heroes are living to you know, incredible ages. Uh, Olaf Pooley, Edward Burnham, you know, some of the big ones, some of our favourites. Several chaps. Um, good innings. So ninety six, you know, for Laura Johnson is is a good is a good innings certainly. Um, 
Um, I'm, I'm just, I didn't know this until just recently, but apparently he became a director of Avengers Mark One Productions when they brought uh, the Avengers back in the 70s as uh, the new Avengers. So he, he became part of the production company with uh, Brian Clemens and um, Albert Fennell. So, you know, he was he was uh, you know, a, a cornerstone of the Avengers from from day one, pretty much. Um, um, obviously, during Dankworth, notwithstanding, um, but the, the the theme that we all we're all familiar with was was him. But he became you know he became part of the furniture towards the end, and of course then we moved on to the professionals. Um, wah wah pedals uh, a go go, which I think perhaps date the um, uh, those particular scores. But at the same time, you know that that's fine when that's what that's what you're after. I mean the, the new Avengers is something that I am very passionate about, and I, I'm hoping that we'll be able to speak about that on a, a special um, episode sometime in the future because there's so much to enjoy there and him and his scores for the particularly the first season um, you know that he is very much a pivotal character and um, you know he was he was um, very much uh, one of the ingredients that went towards making that first season such a massive success so yes one of the greats and he'll be missed he'll be missed Indeed, indeed. And just listening to a few of those tracks, it really gives you a flavour. It's how bloody good the soundtracks were back in the old days, you know, back in the 70s, I think, you know, absolute pig. A big one we did, Luke's... Um, on Christmas Day was Richard Franklin. I think it was on the cards, wasn't it? We uh, we kind of quite an inkling that he wasn't well for quite a while from his... His Twitter feed was mostly messages from operations and hospital beds and then uh, long-term care, it seemed to be. So it yeah. wasn't looking good, was it? It was frail, yeah. It's been frail for a while, I think. So, yeah, it was, um, it was coming. It was coming. And he was uh, local to us for a while because he was in... Uh, Emmerdale Farm. Uh, it was indeed. Back in the yeah. day. Crushed by a bull, wasn't it, at some point? Yeah. Uh, crushed by a bull was it was how he exited the show, which I think amused <laughs> him greatly because there's, and there was, I think it was uh, Sky News. Uh, he would have been tickled by this, said Richard Franklin dies, and the picture they showed was a still of him being garroted by a bull. <laughs> Uh, screaming, uh, just like almost implying that was the way he went, which is, you know, quite darkly amusing, I thought. But uh, we, had, we we did come into contact with Richard Franklin in a rather peculiar way in that for Greg Stagder, we tried to arrange to have um, Richard join us uh, mm -hmm. in Oldbourne uh, for a few drinks. And so I, re I reached out to Richard via email and... Uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, into the email exchange that we had because I've dug it out. This is about 2015. Is that Oldbourne where they film the demons? Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just for those not in the know. So I asked him if he could join us in Oldbourne um, for a few drinks uh, for our stag do. And this is the email I got back uh, from Richard. Dear Sam, Thank you for your invitation to help with your play in Oldbourne in mid-June. I'd love to be involved. I thought it was rather peculiar. He says, I've always had to add work permitting to all of my jobs. At the moment, my diary is quite flexible, but I'm deliberately keeping it that way as my agent wants me to be available for TV work. 
Also, I'm in the process of mounting a murder mystery at Charterhouse and also a tour of World War One tribute, Luck of the Draw. However, I'm sure I can find time for yours, but Sundays are not good days. Richard Franklin. Make of that what you will. <laughs> so, of course, I had to reply to Richard um, and put him straight. So I said, hi, Richard. Thanks for your reply. I must let you know now, it's not a play we're arranging, but rather a little stag event ahead of a good friend's wedding. He's a long-term fan of Classic Who, in fact, several of us are, and your appearance and stage stories for a few hours would be a boon to the day. Now, we're all theatre professionals and writers, so I'd like to think you'd be in good company. It would likely be a few hours in the afternoon, and if this still sounds like something you'd be happy with, perhaps we can discuss your fees and expenses closer to the time. Best of luck for luck of the draw. I'll keep an eye out for it. I'll be happy to list and promote it through our website. Thanks again, Sam. You replied. Hi, Sam. I read stag <laughs> as mistyping for stage. Stag parties are not really my thing, but nearer the time, let me know dates and details and I'll come along if I'm available. I realize you probably want to promote the event, so I'm sorry I can't be more precise than that. Best wishes anyway, Richard. <laughs> so bless him, he was game, and he uh, he did uh, he did put the feelers out as it were, and uh, wasn't actually available when it came to us locking a date down anyway. But uh, it was very yeah. sweet of him to actually say that he would still go into it with an open mind and make a personal appearance. So yeah. Uh, yeah. rest in peace, Richard Franklin. Do you know what's quite nice for, for Richard? Really, he did find a little bit of. Um, global success at the very end of his life in this in one of the star wars films didn't he he um he cropped up in rogue one yeah i think oh i didn't i didn't realize that yeah i what, think he was what what's what what part did he take on that occasion he was an engineer of some kind and i remember seeing it in the pictures and the flicks and i was like is that richard franklin and it's a really small role but i think yeah he's still a big hollywood blockbuster you know? yeah and he, he got his face shown he's always kind of been in the periphery of things but he's always been busy I enjoyed him when he did the the Nest Cottage um, trilogy, uh, the, the Paul Mars um, audio books back in the ooh, the early tens, I think. Uh, um, that's when they came out, and he was um, Tom Baker's companion in those, along with Mrs. Wibsey, played by Susan Jameson. And I, I really enjoyed those. So yeah, it was um, good to have him back in in the family. I think the, the Who family at that time. Nicholas Courtney, wasn't he? He was. Um... He was filling in for Nick, because I think that yes. was written for him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. But yes, uh, R-H-I-P. R-I-P, Joe. Farewell. Farewell, Richard Franklin. That's the start to our new year. Uh, I hope you enjoyed us catching up with what we've been up to and what we've cleared out. We'll be back with an exciting episode soon. Just me and Charlie next up, uh, talking about something very exciting, but uh, we won't talk about that now. We'll talk about that then. All that and more in the next exciting episode of... Doctor Who, The Complete Menagerie. Almost. Bye. Bye.
If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production. 